Young Darkness Dialogues with Nana and Nadia. This is a podcast about artistic practice and artistic research. It's a place for us to share our dialogues with people that inspire us during our collective artistic journey with Beyond Darkness, as well as a space for knowledge sharing in general and exchanging ideas with you. Today we're talking to Naya Lee Jensen, an interdisciplinary performer and artist whose artistic practice revolves around challenging, rearranging and interweaving the contexts she finds herself in. Naya is also the artistic director of Hout, a space dedicated to artists across the performing arts in Denmark, supporting the field with residencies across the country, as well as seminars, work in process sharings and smaller festivals. We hope our dialogue can give you a great insight into her works. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Naya. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Do you want to tell a little bit about yourself and your artistic practice? Yes. Thank you for inviting me. I think it's really nice that you're doing all this sharing and recording and keeping conversations uh, to visit and revisit. Um, but yeah, and nice to talk about the artistic practice um, <laughs> for me anyway, because I'm so engaged in this more organizational work. But my name is Nayali Jensen and uh, I am educated originally from the Norwegian Theatre Academy mm. uh, as an actor. And then um, I took a master at the Fine Arts Academy of Fine Arts in Oslo. So I have this interdisciplinary educational background, you could, you could say. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not, I'm doing kind of art, but I'm not, now I'm also doing the, I'm an artistic uh, director of Hout, which is this more for residency theatre. And in, I, I guess that I was thinking when you sent me the questions, I, I was thinking what is my artistic practice, to tell a, bit, a little bit about it, mm-hmm. to connect both the artworks and the work and how, and I, I guess the main word is, is context, actually, mm-hmm. to work with contexts and try to kind of um, interweave or challenge or rearrange the contexts you are in. And I also worked a lot of site-specific, and that for me is very contextual, context-based actually. Mm -hmm. Mm. And maybe it's always explorative, like also both the work in Howard and also my artistic practice, uh, always like just some kind of journey to explore Mm. and to to question, yeah, what will happen if you do this and then Mm. you do it. So talking about context, um, you chose to work with darkness in your in one of your pieces at least, and um, we were wondering why you stumbled upon working with darkness. Why is it interesting an interesting concept to work with? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess that um, there is a lot of answers to the question, mm-hmm. but one of the answers is that with this context, then. It's also always about asking questions, and stage art is always about looking. 
So I think initially I was a little bit, why should we, everybody should look at something. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and then like, no, now I want to turn off the light. Boom. Yeah. And then do, doing it. So a little bit like coming from that. But at the same time, I guess from, if you take the personal, personal story, I do not see very well. <laughs> I have glasses, they're quite strong. And in that way, I guess that my relation to seeing has always been different than people that can see naturally very good. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then at some point I actually experienced that it was in a workshop and we had to take off, uh, we were blindfolded and then you should find the other people in the room. Um, one person should do that and then without knowing it I, I was very very good at navigating in darkness mm -hmm. actually ah. and then I got a little bit also curious about this um, the natural state of me not seeing so well and then also being able to navigate in darkness and was a little bit attracted to 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 exploring exploring that mm -hmm. and then on the other side relating to maybe more artistic practice it somehow also started with that in Norway where I lived in Oslo there was a there's a river going down I don't know if you've been in Oslo but there's this river that goes from where you get the water like the drinking water Maidalen mm -hmm. and then all the way down to Fjorden the mm -hmm. fjord and you can kind of follow the river all the way through Oslo except in on one spot where it disappears and that spot is actually the most central spot, like in the center of the city where the main, the central station is. And it kind of goes from this kind of poorer area where a lot of immigrants live. And there's a little bit of, not because of the immigrants, but it's just like this uh, place of, because there's a bridge and it's underneath. It's a little bit like in South Harbor where I live. Somehow you feel there's some drug, drug dealing going on. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, it disappears underneath the city and then it comes out and this Björvika, which is this fashionable very place where the opera is built and it's like this high prestigious thing. Mm. And then we <clears throat> by accident found out that there's a tunnel underneath uh, the, the city, somehow on the, on the river. And the first we did, like it was when I was in the school, we built it a raft and then we sailed down the river and then at some point we sailed under the and then we came, came out on the other side and we we're going to bury a piece of an exhibition that we had made underwater mm. because outside of uh, Oslo the opera there's this big she lies that is Monica Bonvicini mm -hmm. like the sculpture and it's really like art in public space and then we we kind of had some divers to put down our exhibition on the bottom of the sea where you couldn't see it and then we put like a piece of uh, you know like this exhibition text on mm -hmm. the on the seaside mm -hmm. on the bridge like putting it and look very formal and then <laughs> you could think that it was the big statue but it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it was actually underneath the sea but at that point we we traveled through this um this tunnel and then actually I got kind of curious what can you do because in the tunnel there it was very dark so you sailed under uh, with the light from behind and you sail into the darkness and at some point it totally becomes dark but you can hear you could hear like the city from above mm -hmm. so you could hear the train station trains going to where and where and all this and also you could hear the cars driving so somehow composition but in a natural composition and as an audience you are sitting 
this was another, it was a piece that was called uh, uh, Oslo, uh, mm. um, and you're sitting in this rubber boat and as an audience one person in front and one rower that was you couldn't see and then you were just taken into the darkness and somehow you had the space for yourself you to imagine what was happening on the upside and also in a space that you knew very well because somehow it was so now I'm sailing underneath Oslo and I know that and then somehow you got lost <laughs> although it was only like maybe 15-20 minutes in the dark um, and there I kind of got interested in this being disorientated which darkness is somehow it's mm. is it it's it can be a disorientation somehow so I guess there's a lot of points I just always thought it was very interesting yeah um, so in, in um, darkness and nature the last piece you did yeah yes yeah mm. how, how did you work with this um because there's darkness and nature like how, <laughs> how and i guess that some of the inspiration from the nature also came from this uh, this river in oslo and um, how, how did you translate that um, experience or the the place maybe uh, like artistically in the piece yeah i guess that what i was so another point into darkness is also the blind spot and it's also the sleeping like sleeping mm -hmm. is the blind spot of human being like yeah. being human and i guess that somehow we are it it's also like the history of 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 all our thinking like uh, i know I, I know therefore i am or something mm -hmm. like i understand um and a lot a lot of times sleeping was not part of human nobody was researching and sleeping and now it's become a big thing of course and so mm -hmm. on so i guess so i guess that i was thinking like this is the way this is where we cannot control ourselves this is kind of where we are most estranged from ourselves and in that way also a place where we cannot put all this, this civilization or like this is just everybody has been sleeping from when humans were mm -hmm. evolved or something and then all of the species and so on does it right <clears throat> so somehow for me that was a small rest uh, like a leftover or, yeah, yeah from 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 not living in this mm. world uh mm -hmm. western civilization yeah western western world where we can kind of imagine us to be something else than we are but it connects us to a past mm. and then also with this with the cells that can remember and traumas from past mm -hmm. somehow in the body it's not only like it's not only biology it's also like psychological stories that that is being told but we just don't remember mm. yeah so i guess that was the nature in the darkness and also the travel to to was actually the research was visiting places that i connected to darkness so one yeah. place was in the north of Norway where it was in the winter where it was mm -hmm. actually almost completely dark mm -hmm. just to see how and I was alone up there and driving in cars and really felt driving in cars but driving out <laughs> <laughs> to see the landscape right and and yeah. then really to to also to feel because we don't feel that in Denmark then the, this kind of nature feeling you it's difficult to get lost yeah. somehow and there it was very easy to get lost and mm -hmm. it was also very easy to feel that you would die if the car broke mm -hmm. because there was no people there yeah. so somehow that was really like the 
the nature, <laughs> like in a classical sense, like las landscape nature. Mm. And then I also went to California, to the desert, uh, to live in a cabin in uh, Joshua Tree. And there it was somehow, the nature was something else, because there it wasn't the landscape, it was actually the people. Uh, I was living also alone, actually, <laughs> in this cabin. And you had to, there was these uh, dust roads that you had to kind of, it was one big labyrinth to drive uh, around in this area. And somehow it was very big, but because it's the desert, it was also very audiative. You could hear very mm. far. So you could hear what everybody was doing. Oh, everybody was doing, but you could really hear. And at the same time, you couldn't see anything. So you got completely disorientated. And then I also somehow then because of it's a, such a strange country and they were they the story was that this breaking bad it was like the inspiration from breaking bad was from there because there's a lot there was a lot is maybe a lot of meth labs um around if you go with this dust road and then suddenly you stumble upon one so somehow it became like also the imagination of other people as this this strange species that I didn't really understand and I was like okay can like uh, I felt also very naive coming from Denmark somehow right um yeah so I guess that was another form of nature like the human as another mm. species and yeah. then at the end I actually went home to the area where I come from and I lived on a, a lighthouse alone also um and I'm actually very uh, not very I'm not very brave I'm I'm very scared. Um, <laughs> so, I was living in the lighthouse, and then maybe it was also something about the. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm also adopted, so it also was something about coming home and this biological sense, and also like this not biological, like landing somewhere and then become mm -hmm. the kind of the surroundings forming you as a yeah. as a human. Yeah. Um, so somehow, all of these levels of nature got somehow connected and then of course the thing of imagining both imagining about yourself what kind of life and you had and the life you could ha have had the imagination of the others in the desert and the imagination of the landscape and the brutality of the landscape somehow became also this um, this dark I don't know darkness because the dark room is also place for imagining or mm -hmm. dream yeah dreaming or something like this mm -hmm. so i guess it was connected in a in a lot of in a lot of levels yeah almost like a dream or something like this yeah mm. wow you really had a like like a, you went a lot of places mm -hmm. for for this performance yeah so you went to canada yeah and norway yeah, Norway and California. And California, so yeah. California. Yeah. And then to two. <laughs> and to two. Yeah. Which was the yeah. Yeah, I, I did and I guess that was um because I have as I said, like I, I work a lot of site specific mm. and somehow sites or context they dictate what you do somehow for yeah. me anyway. Because then I can kind of it tricks my imagination. But then it's different working in the black box, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Working with this kind of artificial space and you have to you can choose now i say you can choose whatever of course you cannot do that but somehow then i anyway felt that i had to get all these impulses or had to have all these bodily experiences or whatever 
to kind of to be able to fill up the space mm. with something else than mm. whatever. And I guess this is maybe just saying a lot about me that it's difficult not to to center it and then transform the centering mm. into to the artistic work. Yeah. And actually also the tent because you're lying in the tent in the darkness mm-hmm. of nature. And that was actually also coming from this that I placed myself in a more like industrial area that was it was quite small industrial area in the night alone to live in a, to sleep in a tent mm. and then um, in the night of course it was cold it was also nowhere so there was minus degrees and you were like oh I don't want to get up because it's so cold <laughs> but what is that the whole thing about the imagination like because you cannot see anything mm-hmm. and you don't have control over the situation mm. then you you start to imagine wow. mm. There's something, I mean, as you said, this whole journey that you went on before even going into the more making, creating part, that was more of the gathering, experiencing part, if we can make that distinction, but also then within the performance of using the element of the tent, like really giving a sense of that journey, like using a part of that in the in the performance I think this like questions of what can come in and what stays within me what do I share and how much needs to be present physically and how much can be there lingering in the dark and present directly still present through your body or some other form I think um, yeah these are interesting questions to ask and I don't think it's easy just because there is a black box and anything could happen Mm. Um, yeah so maybe would you be able to share a little bit about that process of the decision making (laughs) yeah yeah that's a it's a really good question like um, I guess the the way of framing it that it maybe can make sense is that somehow it's to Maybe it's not true. It's kind of to to create a frame where maybe the audience can have the same experience. I hope mm-hmm. as I or some kind of experience, right? Mm. So somehow. So for me, like the tent uh, was very. I, I I like the tent because somehow it's also what we use as a civilization thing in nature, right? Then we take mm-hmm. the tent out, and then we kind of, of course, we can also use it at the festival, but if you go out to the nature then you might bring the tent and then it's like having a home mm-hmm. in this very wild nature mm-hmm. but at the same time it's also the illusion <laughs> of having a home because <laughs> it's really like it's it's so thin very uh, f- very light uh, fiery uh, yeah. material <laughs> and when you put on the flashlight in the tent then you become like a flashlight yes the tent becomes a flashlight right so it's really not very um, it's it's very exposed <laughs> in a way, but it feels very safe mm-hmm. when you're inside of it. So because it's a blanket illusion when yes. you're a child. Yeah, you're yeah. just so safe under Don't yeah. see anything. Yeah. Right? No, 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 you don't. And then it's like yeah, and it's a space that you can can, can control and you put all your remedies and you you put your habits into that space mm-hmm. and then it feels like it's yours outside of this outside in this nature that is somehow can be quite uh, rough or uncontrollable right mm-hmm. and somehow I was a little bit I, I like this because then <laughs> it's also a little bit, but then I also felt that the earth was like that 
<laughs> because somehow when we look up and now it's the clouds but normally with the blue sky then it's like no that's the sky and mm -hmm. whatever and then when the darkness comes and you can look out into eternity or the universe then you're like okay I'm in a tent <laughs> like metaphorically speaking because somehow you're placed in this universe that you don't you don't have the control over right but you have the con not the control over the earth but you you know where you are mm -hmm. somehow you're placed somewhere that you somehow is familiar to you mm. yeah so I, I just got very fascinated about this this tent and somehow the atmosphere is just as as illusionable as the tent right mm -hmm. as the home so I guess that was that was it and then just to place the audience inside of the tent also made the feeling that it's something known it's something that they maybe have some uh, experiences mm. with that can that can also make the travel their own somehow mm. um, and also as you told like with there's not because it's ten tens and everybody has the experience alone so somehow maybe it's not so natural to sit outside and talk when you're finished because it also yeah it takes a long time and so on um, but then there is a possibility of doing reflections mm -hmm. and writing mm. and then somehow it was also interesting to see that the audience really had been on very different travels, mm. right? Some people just fell asleep. Some people were really like uh, out in the universe. Some people were on the tent with their... Like, and maybe that is it. This is the what somehow I'm also a little bit interested in, right? Also with the boat, because somehow you're just not an instrument for but somehow you're just facilitating of the situation mm -hmm. and you're like kind of okay you're rowing the boat and it's really really hard mm -hmm. and it's like you know when you have rowed the audience out you have to row <laughs> backwards <laughs> against the stream and you're like oh why did I choose this <laughs> it's so stupid uh, but somehow then you know that or you hope that people will during the time will have some kind of experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know what kind of experience they have, so it, it's not so giving or rewarding, but somehow it's also, yeah, just a way of facilitating. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about like the, the tent almost like a bubble of individual experiences. Did you also, because um, there, there are a lot of tents yeah. in a black box, right? Yeah. Did you also think of the, like, the collective experience of the. Because mm, okay. even though they're in the small bubbles, I, I assume that they also have a, at least a notion of there's somebody else in this <laughs> in this space. Yeah. Um, it actually starts, so normally you talk about the tents because they're visually... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually it starts with that they, they go to another space at the beginning. There's like one part that is that they leave all their, their stuff. Oh backpacks and so on and then they go to another space and it, it's more like a classical mm. uh, performative space where mm -hmm. there is a man uh, and a lot of stones they are put out in a grid um, and there is a video projector that is somehow with text just a little bit introducing the beginning of the, the earth or the galaxy mm -hmm. <laughs> the universe and um, he it's more like a wide cube or when we were at the uh, theater house we were um, in the there's this parking lot basement yeah. so the audience they came to the this Fusbilhusel and they put their backpacks and then they were like greeted and said like okay but 
uh, just walk over to the escalators over there by the parking lot and then somebody will come and pick you up. So they go in a group together and of course they're like, oh, what's uh, like this? Mm-hmm. And then somebody came up and took them down and I think it's four storage down. Ah. And then when they came down there, there was this setup with the man and the stones and the projector and he is kind of very, very slowly, he is... Um, He's leading or pushing the stones on the floor, so there is somehow some kind of sound that it's made mm-hmm. by the friction. And then he places them, he, he kind of balances the stone mm-hmm. and makes this kind of uh, pattern or this impossible, he's really good at it. So he <laughs> makes these impossible balancing things, sculptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of is very slow tempo, so you kind of get drawn into this more like mm-hmm. meditative state. And at some point, you as an audience, you get the, the, yeah, invited to take a stone, and then to bring it with you, and then you have the stone, then you leave here. In this case, the parking lot, another stair up, and you come up to Ophelia Place, which was there, and then you are walking with the stone, out like ten minutes walk, just in the group, not really talking, but mm-hmm. just experience the city with stone. Mm. And then you came into the theater space again, you can say, but in the black box for the first time with you and the stone and then with the imprints of yes. everything that yeah. had happened before. So somehow it was also a way of... So because otherwise, uh, both the black box but also the tent, of course, it can be like a very um, space that floats out of time and space. Like mm-hmm. it could be placed everywhere and you would experience the same. Mm-hmm. So somehow here you... You had the connection with the group and you had been with them for maybe half an hour, 20 minutes or something like this. So when everybody came into the tents and it was like standing in line and first you and then you and then you and the kind of ritual. So when everybody was in there, they also, they knew that they were there Mm -hmm. because they had been together somehow. And of course, at some points, the the sound, it's sound and and a little bit of light and then sense. And when the sounds are very slow, then of course you can hear the other people in the tent. So somehow there is also this more vi- uh, audible mm-hmm. collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And people also writing, oh, and I was lying in my tent and I was wondering what the other was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. on, right? Because yeah. you get curious, of course. Of course, yeah. yes. So. Um, maybe just to, uh, to finish off... Um, Darkness and nature, mm-hmm. which is this the um, uh, the interactive part. Now you're talking yeah. a little bit about the stones and the. I wonder if you can just maybe put a few more words on the, um, on on the thoughts about the in- interactivity of the other or the productivity of the audience. Yeah, yeah. I guess that. To me, interaction is. Um, yeah, I guess that it's just that. Like now it was very physical because they had to mm-hmm. carry the stone mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but it's not somehow you, they create this, the somehow I see it as they create the work, but not by you know like these interactive pieces where you have to do some things and you have to say some things and then you're part of a manuscript that have to kind of to play out and you as an audience are somehow responsible for carrying the piece. Of course it can also go go wrong or something and that's also the intentions of some interactions but somehow yeah somehow you decide and you also feel this responsibility but here 
actually I guess that the audience could sleep if they wanted they was mm-hmm. quite com- comfortable and so on so the interactive part were more that it's really up to them to fill out the space that is there mm-hmm. of course it's given of course but if they tap out and doesn't want to join the travel then they have their own travel of course but it's not they're not carrying anything mm-hmm. we are carrying everything for them we have created the we have created the piece or the structure that they step into and then when they are in the tent, they don't have their mobile phones, but they can do actually what they want to do, right? Mm. Um, and I guess that is maybe the interactive, that they are the only witness to this, the piece that they have experienced. Mm-hmm. So somehow they that's also... So I guess it's just also trying to make another hierarchy. And I'm not sure if it works because it can also be very manipula- manipulative, mm-hmm. of course. It, but so... Who knows? Who knows if it's just words? But but anyway, just to try to... It's a little bit like when you go into the fine arts gallery and you're looking at something and you get the freedom to look and you get the freedom to leave and you get the freedom to sit there half an hour until the museum stops. So it's not somehow dictating a behavior or dictating that you have to see this or receive this or whatever. Of course, we make a sound somehow some sound things but nobody sees if you tap out so there is not a pressure mm. Mm. and i guess this this is maybe the interactive mm. part just being more yeah creating the yeah. artwork <laughs> I, I really like the the thought of in, like including like the audience's uh, activity doesn't have to be physical their mental activity as it being the interactive part mm. Um, I mean, also, that's also something we worked with mm-hmm. in our piece in Tilly, where it was just so important to stimulate the imagination and then, yeah, co-create the piece in real life, but not by yeah moving around and really uh, physically <laughs> determining the next step, but allowing your journey to, to happen internally. And then that allows you to go places that physically you wouldn't be able to do. And there is something about this like individual experience that you also then created, mm-hmm. which even if you are more people in one tent, let's say the journey still is super internal and they carry the memories from what happened before, which then resonate within them different stories, personal stories from the past, as you say, either from that from from their own past or from even before so i think that is just working with this element of the audience's internal um without asking them to physicalize it i think mm-hmm. there's something mm-hmm. extremely beautiful about that and of course then you have this question of what happened what do the others experience or as a as a creator you also wonder what what does your audience go through it's really hard to then determine that but i think asking them afterwards either written or verbally or in in some form and collecting that and having this dialogue in some form or other with your audiences uh, allows you a little glimpse of what might have happened inside <laughs> yeah and then you you have this dialogue then you just go into ah that's what they thought about. Oh, that's what, where it took them, and yeah, the seeing how how different, as you mentioned, how different these journeys were is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
And it's also, <coughs> somehow it's also to create other ways of being audiences, mm -hmm. right, in the in state yards of house. Yes. And that's also quite interesting, I think. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, we talk about an active audience, even though their bodies might might be seated, mm -hmm. but they are super actively there with yeah. us or mm -hmm. in the piece. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there is something going on in interactivity at the moment where it's we are somehow past the the production of the audience, like the 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 doing physically doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting to find out like what people like what other ways there are in being a part of a performance. Mm -hmm which is super interesting, but also, as you said, such a fine line of maybe it's manipulative and mm -hmm. you that might be not be the, uh, like that might not be what you want to do. But I find it super interesting to, uh, to experience these different tests of being an audience. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but when I hear the word, I always get scared of like, oh no, I have to go on stage and I have to yeah. do something. Mm, like, yeah. that's always yeah. the, like, always the fear. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also because it's, uh, that's it. And it's it's also the community of, of seeing or like being seen yeah. or like, then suddenly you have to present or being like visible. Or, or it can also be through questions, right? That the performer suddenly asks you a very personal question and then you have to kind of respond to it kind of but then you became that becomes this visibility and somehow i think it's also nice to yeah to think that you don't have to see each other mm -hmm. to actually experience mm -hmm. right yeah yeah so exactly i've worked a lot with this one-to-one -one performance to, yeah to kind of because i was interested in this more personal experience yeah, yeah. um but naya you're also the artistic director of hout mm -hmm maybe just as a little introduction to uh, what is Hout and what are some of the, the key interests that you're working with? Uh, yeah, just like that. So Hout is like this uh, organization like for Stage Art that has been existing since 2014 and it started at the Hus i Maestred, uh, at the top floor, <laughs> where a group of young people that was either students or just finished student, st uh, being student and uh, more culture entrepreneurs mm -hmm. they went together and they kind of uh, um, started it and it was everything was based on volunteer work and uh, but they had this space like they had the black box and they had like a foyer and a bar mm -hmm. so they could kind of invite artists into the space and do whatever they wanted to do not support them financially but support them with space and hosting events and so mm. on and there was a really high productivity and, and they really wanted to, to do this kind of to create a, an alternative space for theatre instead mm. of the, the houses that existed at that point um, and then at some point they uh, had the choice of staying at this Hus Maestral and working for free not having any, any economy or uh, getting a small economy from this Lillestorbytater, Senekunstparken, that is a structure that forms a lot of the theatres in Copenhagen. And then they moved in that, they, they said, yeah, we want to have more money and we want to kind of step up and be more professionalised. And then we got the office here at Sotlu when they moved in here, um, everything was new and we got access for the black box, I think maybe four to six six weeks 
per season for a year. Mm. So somehow it was totally the opposite. <laughs> like everybody was volunteer and there was a lot of activities and we had the space to like having very little space mm -hmm. but having money. And then the profile had to change, right? Um, and they, we, des we decided that it should be more like res residencies or these exiles, which was it was called in the beginning, which was like one week where artists get salary and they also get the space to kind of to, to experiment and to create projects and so on. Um, and they also had this work in process showing at mm. that point, so the audience came in to see the process. Um, and that is actually what our main focus is now as, as well, like residencies, we have more residencies because we do not only do it at black and white, now we do a lot of collaborations with other spaces and um, at the same time we have also kind of expanded our interests not only to do residencies but also to, I think we like knowledge sharing and mm -hmm. creating knowledge and seeing art as knowledge and not as a product. And then also, I guess we have, yeah, we also have festival for work in process, but that was also, we had also that before, but I guess that everything has just become a little bit more, uh, yeah, big, a little bit more bigger, actually. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, so that's actually the key interest and now also the community, but we are still a nomadic structure, now we are going to, to move from Sotlu and we are going to have... Uh, an office at for 302 um, and then work collaborative with a lot of spaces mm. yeah so right now we have like four part-time <laughs> engagements and when we came here we were one part-time engagement so we really tried to yeah you expand it's, yeah it's incredible yeah, yeah. just the story of, of how to in itself but also how much you achieve as a part-time working group and how much you've achieved in the last few years uh, and expanded and I think that I mean we are so inspired by, <laughs> by, by what how it stands for and there are so many things that we think that totally resonates with what we think that we need to go towards or what needs to happen so um, well <laughs> Great, um, we're so happy. But maybe just talking about how t, um, in, in the book that was published in 2020, yeah. actually, um, I'm quoting you now, you, oh. you said or wrote that we constantly have to ask ourselves what artistic development is, like within this structure, or at least for how. T, um, and I was wondering, yeah, or we were wondering about whether this is, a question that is at the center of your work and then how do you think that affects the work within Haut but also for those that you invite into the residencies or other forms of collaborations? Mm. Yeah, it's a, good, <laughs> it's a good question. I guess that it's still, um, it's still the center of the question because somehow of the, the interest, the central interest, because Artistic development is not only on the floor, it's also by talking and exchanging and knowledge sharing and doing all these things, but it has maybe a tendency to kind of only uh, become a little bit focused on like being in the black box and actually mm -hmm. physically producing or testing out something. So in that way now 
we are doing that as well with the residency that's in process, which somehow maybe more focuses on tryouts, like we call it physical brainstorms. So mm-hmm. you can kind of go have an idea and you test it out on the floor and then you see if it works instead of writing it. And then also trying to frame that, of course, it's idealistic and you also know like when you talk about things, but just the mindset of that it's not possible to fail because a fail would also be a success yes. somehow. But it just depends on how you, you formu- formulate it and kind of take ownership over that. And maybe that's uh, uh, kind of... And we have to practice that, but it's not impossible, right? And for the residency program, like for more this this more like classical way of thinking artistic development like I guess that it has right now I think there's a lot of other organizations that is also working with artistic development and development so in that way it has become like I guess maybe not because of us but just in general it has become a trend of of focusing on process Mm -hmm. but it's just also as you also know like it's you can focus on process in a lot of ways and also how do you talk about it because it's also a lot about how you formulated it and because in the words there's a lot of expectations so somehow um, yeah what do you call when you have the work in process showing sharing mm-hmm. uh, yeah and what what is it kind of what how do you invite an audience into that and how do you make space for that mm-hmm. and also how do you make space in the in the in the artists? Because we have also this um, this notion of, of that we when people come, of course, we want to do our best, yes. mm. and and I think that's also a nice thing, a nice thing that you want. But mm. I, I guess it's also nice because then it becomes something special that yes, you kind yeah. of you invite them into something that you want. But then it's also okay if it doesn't work yeah. out the way you want to, and how yeah, mm-hmm. like. But I guess that more the thought about what artistic development can be, because mm-hmm. I guess for me, artistic development is also the de- de- development of the organizations, mm-hmm. because we are the one that holds the artist and the artistic development and the work. So how we do it and how we think about it and are aware of what we're doing and formulates it and try out and whatever, that is actually a key. And behind that, the, the funding system how they, they formulate, mm-hmm. how they think about it, what mm-hmm. they do, yeah. blah, 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 is also so, so so much structure. So again, this context, like it's somehow everything and it's important that we don't, yeah. don't just think it's one thing. I find it so inspiring that you insist on the, uh, on the process as a sharing format. Because <laughs> also as an artist, um, I think I would also tap into this when the, when an audience comes in, that then I have to produce something that is of, of artistic value and mm-hmm. may, has to have some light and maybe some costume and has to have some kind of like scenic elements in there to, to somehow fulfill this expectation of what mm-hmm. a performance is. So I think it's, it's super, super inspiring to, to find out, okay, if it's not that, then what, what is it? What is the, and what are you sharing? Mm-hmm. And give that as much value as something which is like a let's call it a Finnish performance or like a yeah. yeah and the idea to to start a new language around that not just a new discourse but actually within that we need a new language um, how do you call that how do you then do these words that you start using affect me as an artist or me as an audience um, 
what are the expectations then in relation to those words or in relation to the thing that I'm going to experience or see, but still keeping trying to, to facilitate the space and reminding then the people that it's not a product, right? Mm -hmm. And also a, a word that is just always a bit oh cringe, <laughs> like an, um, an artwork as a product is just really difficult to deal with that. But it's just something that a lot of people have to accept that as mm -hmm. a reality in, mm -hmm. in a system where, in which we are in right now. So taking us out of that and going back to what it is really about, right? I, I think that's just nice to have a space where that can happen and then a space where you can be reminded mm. that that's, that's it. You don't have to go and finish mm. something mm. and just leave it wherever it, or wherever it took you, the journey or your experiments or whatever. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's also like, also just to be honest, like it's a challenge for me as well, like because I, I am more also my, my way of working is more like not, but more classical, like a, a piece that mm -hmm. lasts from this to this. And then you of course can, can play with the parameters, but mm -hmm. it's maybe for some dancers and choreographers, it's more, it's more like a practice, like a practice. So it's, it's also just kind of mind expanding for <laughs> me, like what, what can we do with this? Like, Catching on to the expanding. <laughs> um, Nadja and I are very inspired by collaboration as a concept and collectivity. And I think that how this a uh, very good example of how to have a collaboration strategy within your organization. Maybe can you give some examples of how you actually how you actually think of of collectivity within the organizational structure, like working with both within your, your you as an organization group, or like an institution, and then when you work with uh, artists or someone from outside. <laughs> yeah, how it was started as a very collective thing, and it also, it's, it's actually, <laughs> I, look, I, I hope it's not uh, disappointing what I tell, <laughs> <laughs> but it started as a very collective, like with these young people, and then a lot of the the people engaged they also became the board so for a long time we also had this working board where it was both doing a, a lot of a lot of things right but then when i started here with it it was a starting of a process where the the board maybe was not so working and not so involved but where the organization should more stand on its own feet because it's also a lot to demand from mm. from people to work for free right and then we have been in this process because it's actually quite it's actually quite interesting this how do you work together in an organization that has started very informal mm -hmm. and where you have the you somehow have um, invented your own ways of doing things and so on and as a, also as you know like as an artist coming from your artistic practice where you have to of course to arrange things and you have to be the holder of of a space and whatever for collaborations but at the same time it's also different when you then come to the organization because you don't i guess that we would like to collaborate we're doing a lot of collaboration with other organizations and all, also other artists mm -hmm. uh, doing co-curation because that's a part of our 
our thing so we don't sit and decide for ourselves but we, we we talk to other people and because we don't have our space alone then we also have to collaborate around space and and somehow <laughs> to find out how that works and that's really also interesting because it's a new way right mm -hmm. somehow it's also to say like okay yeah <laughs> do you want to play yeah okay let's <laughs> find out something right mm. um and so that's the the other step step of the collaboration but maybe now we also or this is my wish and i don't know if it's going to be that we have also talked a lot about being this artist-driven organization mm -hmm. but then being in this organization i kind of realized how big how much it demands yeah. mm -hmm. and my question is is it possible to be an artist while also yeah. being an organization mm. or do you have to choose both for your own sake and also for the art's sake and also for the organization's sake somehow yeah. or kind of to say okay I lower this down to mm -hmm. do this mm. so to try to this is my thought anyway and I'll share it with you but to try to kind of to find another way to be artist driven so maybe invite the artist to engage in the organization but without having to hold the organization mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we have to hold a lot of things as yeah. artists not only our artistic processes and so on but but really also the structural things mm. and and also the thought about that an organization becomes better when it's closer to the artists and the artists needs you know like it can be a lot of needs or the artist way of like all of the artists that is here in the community they have a lot of experiences but like I have one experience and then my colleagues have another and our collaborations, but it's also very few experiences from mm -hmm. a whole community somehow. So to find ways where it's maybe easier for the artist to to kind of engage in organization development and what kind of organizations we want to work in mm. and what how we want it to be or be feedback partners on that, um, but without the demand of throwing away the artistic practice to be in the organization and get that kind of influence. Mm -hmm. So somehow, yeah, to, to maybe more collaborate with the artists, not just about the production or the, the work, the artistic work, but but to collaborate with them around the organizational mm -hmm. and what we need somehow. Because I, I guess that you have also tried it to come into organizations where it's very difficult to be an artist or mm -hmm. it's demand or you feel that Okay, it's not for the artist, it's not for me how it works. Yeah. So somehow to also acknowledge that. Yeah. I don't know if you answered already most of the next question, but <laughs> um, we thought about like how the dialogue with artists and their practices and their research or different research methodologies affect the structures and conventions within which they create. So <laughs> Um, and if you think that Hout or your work at Hout is like a mediation between artists and other structures and how the dialogue can be facilitated between the two or are you just a holder of both <laughs> sides or all the sides? Yeah. Hmm. I guess that if you listen as an organization and as how like then the dialogues with the artists of course about the artistic practices but I, I also believe that there are some structural demands if you go into an 
in your artistic practice you need something mm -hmm. and then we can be provider of that or we cannot be provider of that mm -hmm. and that of course is on, on some level but all in your artistic practice of course that is with the art to do I guess that I feel that you are the holder of that and, and that is yours and of course you can use me as a feedback partner but it's not mine to mm -hmm. to enter I'm not interested in that actually of course I'm, I'm interested in elevating but I guess that just the artist as I said like I guess that I'm just by listening to the artist and also always when we have had a collaboration or when we have had like this uh, in process residency, we invite the artist to come have an evaluation with us to kind of give us feedback on the format mm -hmm. and what they have experienced and mm -hmm. what did work for them, what did they not think was so good and what ba boom And then we take that with us uh, into what we want to do. Um, And also, like, I guess that before we started with the, when we started with the residences, it was called Exiles. Mm -hmm. But then some artists said, like, hmm, Exiles, it's, uh, like, it, do you, it's not a good word. Like, to be honest, it's, it's really not. Uh, and then we were, like, listening, some people said that, and we were like, hmm, no, it's not a good word. We, we're <laughs> going to change it. Now mm -hmm. we, uh, we will not call it Exiles, and it's, of course, a small thing, but just to, to say that, that, I guess that for me that then we become like this knowledge sharing yeah. and then we also become a think tank how yeah. to do things different and, and to and to kind of yeah and of course it's a process not everything can be implemented in the first place but yeah. that somehow when you listen to people and you ask for their feedback and reactions then you also kind of kind of just put it someplace on your body and then you bring it with you into the future right mm -hmm. And at the same time, because we're also so used to that the artist should have feedback on their artistic material mm -hmm. and so on, because that should be improved, improved you know, if you were talking that in that terminology. <laughs> But for me anyway, I guess that as an organization, like we can learn, we also have to be improved and we also have to be developed and all of these things because otherwise we become these static boxes where yeah. you can enter, but then you have to have a, mm -hmm. a certain shape, right? Um, and that is already a choice we have made as an organization to to create this shape that we put artists in that has this shape right mm -hmm. but maybe we don't see it because yeah. it's so invisible somehow I think what's so beautiful about how is that you're always in like you're in movement like it seems like a very fluid um, form because I, I guess that Uh, you demand artists to bleep to constantly be changing and responding to the uh, to the society like being super contemporary and then when working in an institution the same uh, demands are not really asked so i think it's so nice mm -hmm. that there is an institution that also ask okay how can we actually provide a platform for artists of the now like what does what does the artists now need and how can we then change in order to facilitate that so we together lift the art rather than just like now I have a space mm -hmm. the artists can be put in there mm -hmm. and they they these ones has to uh, <laughs> do the work and to uh, think uh, mm -hmm. different and yeah yeah but I, I, I for me anyway also I think it's because we are artists that we think that way in institutions I think and with our experience with being in institutions then We also know how important it is, and yeah, I, I guess because 
Yeah. It's very somehow it's very simple, but it's also very difficult to mm-hmm. understand yeah. when you're on the other side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we talked a little bit about this, like um, because what what you do is that you share you share a lot of process, and the process uh, is very important to your to like the DNA of Hout. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder because we talked uh, we talked a little bit about um, like not we. We did, we met each other yeah. at the the Living Manifesto, <laughs> <laughs> um, like a, actually was from De Friefeld. They did yeah. a little talk. We met there and we heard you talk about it. And you also talked about uh, artistic artistic research. And I wonder, maybe you can tell a little bit about how do you how do you think about artistic research within that within how? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. You just have to explain a little bit more what you mean with artistic research because yes. I always get like then they say artistic research, artistic development. But you actually use artistic development, like you yeah. made this yeah. choice, and yeah. we actually had a small talk about yeah. um, that there are different terminologies mm-hmm. and they of course mean different things. But you had a you made this decision to yeah. call it artistic development, so maybe let's. Maybe Stick why? To that yeah, word. yeah. Or like, yeah. Uh, or yes, artistic research. Yeah, <clears throat> I guess it came from um, actually also conversation with now who I I don't uh, out him. It was with Rasmus from yeah. from the from the Danske Simple yeah, School. Just about this, and actually, we were a little bit confused about the terminology because in Danish we say kunstnerisk udviklingsarbeide, mm. and, yeah. and and now we only in English say artistic development, but actually we should say artistic development work because it's also like it's a work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then he was kind of he actually uh, kind of misunderstood because artistic research somehow means maybe something else inside of the academia and mm. I- inside of uh, inside of this kind of space, and then if you start to use it. In another field, then there becomes some confusions of what it is and can you use it and all of all of this uh, kind of confusion. This was not what he said, but this was just something that I that I kind of thought about when this confusion with words mm. came up, and that's also navigating between languages, right? Because yeah. somehow we develop half a language in English, with some phrases, and then now you're, I guess, you're not half half a language in English, but or maybe, ah, sorry, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> but and then we develop half a language in Danish, which also takes some English phrases yes. like we do, and and then we get very confused because yeah. it becomes very idiosyncratic what we means with mm. it. And then I guess that we we just said okay, artistic research. Also, if we want to work more international with it, then it, it there mm-hmm. will be like uh, confusion. And now we just uh, have the artistic development work um, because I think also artistic development it becomes the neoliberalistic uh, yeah. way of thinking right because development is towards a goal mm-hmm. and but maybe it's not the and maybe that also becomes confused confusing because then you in an, in another space another terminology another mm-hmm. imaginative world but actually what we just for me development is just it, there's no end it's just mm-hmm. it goes it goes it goes around mm-hmm. right you can develop everything and you can keep on doing it and that's maybe the goal right yeah but at the same time that it is a work and we get paid for doing the development although it does not produce a product yeah. so that is the thought about it yeah and maybe also because research we want to we want the art to meet somehow an audience we want the 
they are to meet something else than us or me or you or something like this. So maybe that is also because maybe research can also be a little bit me sitting in a cabin, being a little bit afraid, uh, <laughs> as of like very introvert, right? Mm. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that also expanding the idea of, of what an artist's research or work is, right? That it um, in the book it's um, that that you published. I think that listening to different people's answers as well and people saying my private life my social life is part of my research mm -hmm. I don't detach from it and my experiences I carry them with me and even if my particular research question or interest at that moment is not about a social thing in itself the fact that I'm a social being living in social structures I, I have to take that into consideration and there is this idea of the art, the full-time, all-time working <laughs> artist, and there is a truth to it because you don't, not necessarily actively work, but you carry everything inside of you. And um, yeah, I just thought that was so nice to read that I kept thinking, what would I answer? And then <laughs> when I read, when people just say, yes, my private life, and I, I think for a second, what? And then I'm like, of course, my private life. I keep working with my private life all the time, but I wouldn't say that. And then I thought, no, I should actually be able to say that. I think we should be able to include all the amount of work we're doing and not just the work in the studio or the work uh, researching in front of the laptop or um, in books. There is so much, so many elements that are yeah, just in the happening in the dark of where mm. people don't even think that that they are part of it but it's mm. just a huge entanglement of many 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 elements and um, yeah just putting putting that out there and reminding us and others that the work is so much more than yeah just what is visible mm -hmm. definitely yeah and i also like this that people have been uh, starting to use this uh, the lived ex lived experience mm -hmm. right so somehow it's so true and it may be not only for art but for everything, mm. right? How you how we function and then we learn maybe learn some tools that can erase the lived experience in certain situations, right? Of course not in the art, but if you go there, yeah, whatever. You are working in a in a corporate thing and, and maybe you have some tools to, to do your work there, right? Mm. So the lived experience of you becomes mm. uh, lowered or something, but in the art yeah, it's really like, it's really like this. But at the same time, I just to add because I got, <laughs> I was just thinking about also this with the interactive that you were talking like a new way of rephrasing that this work-life balance of uh, connection, that it's not like this, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're working all the time, but just an acknowledging that it's the whole being of you yes. that yeah. is in the work, right? Yes, it's exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a really nice way of phrasing it. Mm. That it's it's actually not you working all the time, mm. but it's you, the whole of you in the work. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm curious if there's any question that is on your mind right now, something that maybe you are working with or curious to delve into, maybe your own, yeah artistic development uh, <laughs> in the making or just starting to 
arise? Is there something? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question actually. Um, I think actually my big question right now is uh, like more artistically what I want to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I guess that I have been very much with the darkness and I have been very much with the sensorical body and I've been very much with the context and somehow also what you were saying this with this is me although you you don't maybe I don't place myself but it's of course my way of perceiving the world and so on that shines through the, the interest of this works and now I'm actually a little bit like hmm, what what do I interest what is my interest mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of scary, but then I have a lot of work with health, so I maybe do not feel the anxiety so much. But it's a little bit like feeling that I mm, that some of the interest that I had might not be the interest that I have, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure what I have, what kind of interests I have. Um, and yeah, so that's actually the honest and and before a lot of things was about putting the audience into the center and, and, and making them have an experience and now I'm also a little bit like hmm am I going another way mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know so yeah, this is a good question mm -hmm. yeah. and just also to be transparent it's actually somehow I just have to say okay just patient maybe it comes yeah, maybe yeah. it doesn't come but because it's uh, there is a lot of the mind that is occupied with a lot of other things, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see. No, you. I mean that that makes sense. You mentioned it earlier. This like, when you are working in an organization, how much of a percentage is left to work artistically, and when we worked for the Living Manifesto Festival, it was, it was so hard to concentrate on our artistic work because of all the other work and the, it seemed like it really is like uh, if you split the brain into it <laughs> felt like I cannot fully focus on the one thing and then also be creative I need to have the time and space mm. to think to to just sit and mm. and listen to myself and or the world around me mm. and then become curious again, mm -hmm. find my inner curiosity and then follow that lead. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I understand <laughs> um, that um, you might need to... Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a curious dilemma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's, it's in a lot of people, yeah. that this constant, like, what next? Mm. And then, like, sometimes this constant thing of if you look you don't find it or mm. that can be it but it can also be through like dialogue of like yeah. oh maybe this is actually interesting and then the more you talk about it or the more you like mm. encounter it yeah yeah or you get close to it then something might feel right or, yeah. yeah yeah but it's <laughs> it's also a scary scary place to be in but yeah well i don't know mm. yeah and that's also like yes that's a truly also a, a place to be yes. than not knowing yeah yes and it's also like if you're i don't know how you work but usually something catalyzes the next and mm -hmm. you're like oh wow but this is all the way to well then you are mm. and yeah group, you know like instinctively that you want to go that way so yeah that's also a new experience like but maybe 
and maybe it's also because I am going a little bit toward more personal things, but I feel very uncomfortable, so I'm trying not to kind of understand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like this, so. Uh, a question we didn't ask someone before, okay. yeah. um, which is first, like there's two things. First, <laughs> first, who who inspires you, and that can can be a person or like a, something broader. That's completely up to you. And then, because we are very inspired of like connecting the dots and like putting each other into uh, to connections to create this network of um, of people, of concepts, of things. So that what who would you put us in contact with? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, that's a good question. So the first question was also a little bit difficult, I think. Um, so I guess that right now, actually, I was very inspired by this Ocean Wong, if you know this uh, writer, actually a quite young writer, American writer, uh, or Vietnamese American writer, uh, who. Um, wrote this book that's called uh, Briefly We Are Beautiful on Earth, maybe? Mm. Mm. Could be. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, I just read the book and then I started kind of, you know, like, pooh, that was a good book. <laughs> it's about his, it's about him being immigrant Vietnam Vietnamese and living with his mother and his uh, grandmother. And they, another day, the mother works in a nail saloon and the, the grandmother kind of... Um, is just kind of old and she had a she had a partner that was American soldier and Vietnam war and you know all this but just telling a story from another perspective than the stories that we usually mm -hmm. get told and, um, and then I just dived into him and he is really like his way of thinking life uh, and thinking seeing life and understanding things is really beautiful it's mm -hmm. really like uh, quite amazing and his kind of gratefulness around also coming from this background that he had like he said like okay but then I had completely artistic uh, freedom coming from my mother they didn't expect anything of me like artistically or what what I wanted to do because there was no notion mm. of almost that you could be this mm. uh, like a writer right and I, I guess that it was a very beautiful way of seeing this dichotomy of coming from a place where people do something different than than what you what you have chosen to do as in your working life right that it also has given you freedom to actually explore and to create this language that you of course yourself would have so yeah very beautiful um and people I was wondering about, I wanted to ask you a question for the first time. <laughs> and I feel really bad that I didn't ask you questions before. But just who would you like to be connected with? Like in which direction? Now we both talked about the darkness and, and I heard some of your podcasts and that was a lot about the working with dark. And now we also talked about the organizational structure. Mm -hmm. So what is there something preferable or... We would like to talk to um, either people who view organizational structures in a in a different way than the mainstream mm -hmm. or maybe people who work with like Nadia and I work with the like these pillars of interest of mm -hmm. darkness imaginations and the sensorial or the mm -hmm. senses mm -hmm. who and are nature and nature yeah mm -hmm. but who are, who are not necessarily artists but work with some of the mm -hmm. the same 
things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so is it Danish or is okay? Sorry, there's so many. No, they can. It can be. Anyone. Can be anyone. Uh, okay. All over the world. Yes. All over. <laughs> <laughs> We're not making it easier. That's, no. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess that organizational now because it's, it's the like in Denmark, like Tony Park Studios are quite interesting. I, I guess the way they also think and they also have a lot of uh, knowledge mm. about different types of organizations within mm. yeah. And there's, yeah, organizations that that's more like in Finland, they, there's this Urban um, APA, but that's more like uh, also a way of uh, working more in a feministic and intersectional tradition somehow. So but they also are very interesting in a way of working with organizations. And I guess that Workspace Brussels, the way that I um, have understood that they were changing and so on was also quite interesting with this, how to include uh, artists maybe more into the organizations. Yeah, these types of organizations. Mm. For the more, um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Can I think a bit more? Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Because the only one I was thinking, but that's more like olfactory, like more scent-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is, uh, but she's quite a uh, big lady, uh, artist, Cecil uh, Tolos, which works with scents and kind of this creation of scents. That's interesting mm-hmm. if you work with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I would really like to think about. Yes, I'm really yes. a slow thinker, so yes, <laughs> no, no, I that's guess. really. Uh, we don't need an answer here and now. <laughs> but yeah. I want to give you an yes. answer yes. now. Yeah, no, but as I, we just, I think it's um, part of the knowledge sharing that mm. that you mentioned knowledge sharing, mm. and and it's really important for us to put people in touch, and we also hope that people who listen to our podcast will be curious about the people we talk to but also Mm -hmm. those that we talk to will be curious about the other people we have talked to and um, how then we can open up um, knowing about people that might be of interest to to us I Mm. think also and the question could be in reverse who Mm. do we think you should um, be maybe contacting Mm -hmm. or uh, who could we put like I think just this network or this webbing of people together could be something to start up Mm -hmm. so it's a Mm -hmm. it's a first try (laughs) and uh, it might become a thing Um, (laughs) I think it's a good good idea and also to have these conversations of sharing like uh, references Mm -hmm. and 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 giving each other's I was also thinking about Heine Avdal blue what they call blue and Yukiko, they are like he's Norwegian but Brussels based and also working a lot with sensor but in, in another way and also darkness and very experimental in their yeah. way of producing uh, pieces just because they do pieces yeah <laughs> but it's very playful and very like experimental yeah um, also dancer yeah right good so we have a few names yes. on the yeah. list <laughs> that's wonderful Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Maya.